That was Confide in Me by Kylie Minogue from her 1994 album, Kylie Minogue. And it just so happened to have been produced by today's guest, Steve Anderson. We're going to learn all about that silver certified single from the UK and more. Hi, my name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is The Original Doll, where I unpackage music with the people who create it. We go behind the scenes and learn about the creation of these songs and the creators of all those people because it does take a village. And at the same time, we help out charity. So for every question a guest answers, we help individuals in need. We've been able to help out homeless LGBT plus teens, women in domestic abuse shelters, and more. For more information, visit me on Instagram, the.original.doll, or go old school, www.theoriginaldoll.com. And I want to give a big shout out to my Patreon patrons. Because of your support, you're able to help keep this podcast open for all. Special shout out to a handful of these people, Benjamin, Ryan, Xavier, Mitchell, Darius, Stephanie, Jenny, Tommy, Rochelle. Thank you all so much. And to join for as little as a dollar a month, just visit www.theoriginaldial.com. But we're going to head right into this because it's important for us to learn about where pop music was and where pop icons were in 1994. Because many Kylie Minogue collaborators worked with the princess of pop, the original doll, Britney Spears. So we're going to hop right into this. And as with every episode of The Original Doll, any audio recording, ripping, stealing, leaking is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So please be mindful of that. And we have more with Steve Anderson talking about Britney Spears's Grow and a few other songs. So sit back, relax, as I present you with The Original Doll. The Original Doll. The sad part is a lot of times it's like on YouTube, somebody incorrectly calls it. It's like, here's the Frankie Knuckles. I'm like, that's not Frankie Knuckles. You know, that's this, that's this one. That's more. And like, and I, what I love now is there are people reaching out to me saying, Hey, can you like for your, like, Hey, can you please ask about this remix? I know that he worked on that remix, but was <laughs> this his? So I'm like, here we go. Yeah, okay. Go for so it. Yeah. What I want to do now is I want to jump because you have, worked with many icons Mm -hmm. and I think one of the the ones that of course I've get the most you know questions about of course is your work with Kylie Minogue yeah and everyone from we have 
Portugal, Japan, Chicago, London, Iceland, Brazil, Dublin, Peru, Beijing. These are all questions of fans from different eras of I'm these up for it. Let's go. All right. So uh, I, I tried making it streamlined as possible because there were a lot of people that were just saying, please just let Steve know that his music has been consistently great. He's got an ear for music. And can you please ask him how he got started in this? Another one is, okay, please explain to me how this man is not just producing everyone's albums all the time. <laughs> like, let's go with that. So let's start from the beginning. Was the Kylie Minogue album, was that the first album project of Kylie's that you worked on with like Confide in Me, Where's the Feeling? That that album, was that the first project? Yes, uh, with Kylie, yeah. We did, um, we, as Brothers in Rhythm, we remixed uh, a song of hers called Finer Feelings, which was from the one of the, the PWL albums. Um, and that would, that ended up being the single mix and the video mix. That's the first time I'd actually done something with her voice on it. And I, I would never forget that we got the multi-track from that or the stems for that. And I just put her vocal into solo and I thought, oh my God, this is like, it, it's the most perfect pop. It just came out it was bright it was perfect it was every i mean it was just genius so i'd always been a fan i was a massive fan of stock Aitken and waterman um and yes the kylie uh when kylie left stock Aitken and waterman and, and signed to deconstruction records um again who were friends of ours uh they we'd all grown up in dance music it's quite hard to believe this but in the early 90s dance music was still not the biggest selling thing that even in america it was hard to get mm. dance music even on like the billboard charts so um so that all these guys that have been hanging around with myself and my partner dave seaman who's a dj and used to dj at the hacienda and places like that all of our mates ended up having record labels and one of them was deconstruction and they'd signed this record called ride on time by black box and it was a massive hit and they had m people and they had a few other people and they ended up signing kylie and my my partner david um literally picked up the phone to a man called keith blackhurst who was the anr there and said we love her could we um we'd love to do something with her and he said absolutely how's next monday and there she was arriving at our door on the monday um ready to do something with us and thankfully we'd done a bit of prep and come up with something which ended up being confided in me um for her to because we felt we had to have something in our back pocket and she recorded it that day and there's a large part of the vocal that is that demo vocal I, so yeah see, those are the things that are amazing because it's like you know and and the listeners of the original doll they've heard from many people that like kylie can get in there get it done sometimes if she sent a track or something ahead of time she's ready to go in the studio like she's she's ready to work on it but i love yeah. the fact she okay. hadn't though that's what i'm saying on this one she literally she rocked up i think deconstruction were expecting us to do a brothers in rhythm dance kylie thing so immediately and probably that's what she was expecting as well so she's blindsided from the fact that she turns up and there's this weird breakbeat string thing but she was really into it um so she'd not heard it before uh and we kind of sang it down in the way that two tuneless men uh can could sing it at this pop star whilst being completely in awe of this this girl and um she said oh yeah i know it let me go and play with it and actually all of the ad everything at the end where she trips up into the confide that was that was just her we just the only thing we gave her was confide in me that was it so all that that was just her 
that was what she said, oh, I better do something. And she has this incredible knack of making the most perfect choices um, and doing them instantly and quickly as well. Well, that's one of those things where it's like, whenever I think of Kylie music, and I, I finished my undergrad degree in London, and it was that was during like the, um, it was post fever, body album, chocolate, mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing. And when I was there, I did not realize how big Kylie was outside of the United States. Like everyone, I'm like, what oh, song yeah. is this? They're like, it's a B-side from CD2. And I was like, what's CD2? Like at the time, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because we, we didn't have that. But what was amazing to me is when I started hearing more and more of her music, I always thought she had this, I always wanted to like, people were like, oh, is she the princess of pop or this or that? Like, you know, at, the, at that time. And I was like, she's like got this polished sound that is so good, but it doesn't sound like it needed to be perfection. There was some, it worked right at every choice that was made on the songs on the album. And that's always what made her music different to me than others, because I could listen to it. And it's those little things, just those little things, those little add-ons. I'm like, oh, I kind of, I kind of I, I like this where, because I feel like for a while as a fan of music, I would just hear some songs and it's like, oh, of course they're going to now hit the Mariah Carey note. There's a long wait and, and then go. Whereas the, the sounds, the ad-libs, they're always something that surprises me in a good way. And now with the digital side and people buy, buy these albums that we're talking about, you can still buy the digital copies of this. When you put on headphones, it's a game changer to me. 100%, hands down. You could hear all the little bits and pieces and you just go, this is amazing. And so, and you're a part of that. So let me ask you this though, because I had a question from Oksana and she said, when was it decided to do a French version of that? That's an excellent question. I remember that we finished Confide in Me and I think she has always had an affiliation with France and had some French friends. And we, I think what we realized was it would be too much to kind of translate the whole thing. Um, but we, I think we just, I think she just started singing it in French. We thought, oh, that sounds really good. And Confiding Me was a weird song because it was a mid-tempo song. So, I mean, obviously we went in and completely reworked it for the, for the Big Brothers mix, which was re-recorded, redone, you know, that massive 12 minute show you know us showing off basically us similar thing to janet really it's like we've made a kylie record we need it to be an event and it was like here's our because the confiding me house mix was a bit like you know it's if, if kylie owned a club here are all five rooms and you just walk from one room to the other and and yeah we were just we spent that was you know weeks and weeks and weeks on that um but the french one was was pretty simple because we only changed the chorus so um and it became a little nice little extra thing to to have and I, and I love what you said about her vocals as well because she has the thing that i find to be the most important thing on any singer is is pure believability um whatever she's feeling comes out you know is that forget technique forget everything else it's you know if she's if you want her to be happy she'll make you know she'll make you happy she'll make you sad she'll make, but the personality embodies the voice and I put that down a lot to singers that I've worked with that come from an acting background. So they can really in, get inside the song. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the French version, I think it was that and there was a couple of other remixes, but it's the old days. So it wasn't like 10 different mixes. It was 
the French version. There was another hip hop version, the house mix and the original. That was it. See, and that, that was something where somebody asked, at what point does Steve think where they decided to stop having people re-record vocals for remixes? I feel like sometimes a remix vocal is actually better than the original or it just makes me like it even more and listen to it more. That's from Tony from Mexico. Well, Tony, the thing about that is, again, technology-wise, it was slightly difficult. Also, we knew, I mean, I think people, I'm sure people have done this since, we felt that Confide in Me was not a song that could be sped up to 124 BPM because we just thought it. I know there have been house mixes of it done, but we just felt that the verses wouldn't work. The chorus would work, but the verses mm -hmm. wouldn't work. So we knew we were going to go back in and do something else. And luckily we had access to her because we were making the record. So we just got her to come back in and again, put her in the studio and say, here's this, you know, here's this 12 minute version of Confide in Me, just ad lib over it do some stuff, all the little spoken stuff, all the big high notes and everything. Um, but we have done that before. We did that. We've done it when we got really cheeky with, there was an M people one we did once where the, the chorus of a song called Open Your Heart didn't fit with what we wanted to do. So we basically asked if we could rewrite it and got Heather to come in and re-sing it. So we're, you know, we're, we're used to, we're, we're used to working with artists and because by that point, we had worked with the Pet Shop Boys and we had worked with Take That and we had worked with a few of the bigger artists. We felt slightly more comfortable to be able to say we're doing a remix, but do you fancy coming in and doing some extra vocals? And, and luckily they said yes. Well, and how many times then did you, working with these people, even going back in, knowing that you're going to be remixing it, how many of them even made references to like, hey, I liked, you know, the Janet stuff or hey, I like the Pet Shop Boys. Was there because... At that point, y'all are a name, you know, mm. like people know what to expect that you're going to give them these these big dance hits. So yeah. how did it feel for other artists afterwards where they're like, please point did it turn where you're like, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? You don't have to talk people into working with you. You know well, what I mean? Well, At what point? Yeah, I know. I get it. I, I think we um, I mean, ultimately, we were at the behest of a record label that would put us forward to do a remix in the same way they'd put David or, or Frankie or any of the other guys. And um, sometimes people knew who we were. The Pet Shop Boys, were, especially Chris Lowe from the Pet Shop Boys, are very gracious because he did give us our first break. He gave us our very, very first Brothers in Rhythm remix on a song called We All Feel Better in the Dark because he loved a record we'd made called Peace and Harmony. And um, so he knew who we were. But then, for instance, when we worked with Sting um, or David Bowie, they, they probably didn't have a clue who we were. Um, and, but they just, they had to still have approval. You know, everybody has to have approval then. And, and we actually, Sting did come down and with the intention of, we said, if you want to re-sing anything, it's fine. But he just sat there, listened to it. And he said, no, I love it. I'm absolutely happy. I can't believe for a second he knew who we were or what we'd done, but that didn't matter because he's Sting. So we just wanted to make sure that we were as respectful as possible whilst bringing him into our world. And I, and I always reference the fact that the very, very first pop star I ever worked with, um, which sounds like a massive clangor of a name drop, but I can't help it, um, was when I was in my early 20s. And my boss at DMC is a guy called Tony Prince, who was a, uh, a big radio DJ in the 60s. Um, and he put me forward to, and I eventually did, um a, a record and spent two weeks with paul mccartney and 
I learned from Paul McCartney that it doesn't matter how big you are. If, if you're into the music and you're nice, it will just, you know, it's all, it, it's all fine once you're in the studio. So I was never worried or intimidated or frightened by big artists, but I was always incredibly respectful of them as much as I, as, as much as I could do, even if we were bringing them into our world, it's still, I'd still never wanted to do that thing where we'd do a remix and we'd like not use the whole vocal or, you know, mm -hmm. we'd go outside of what they were, what they were, you know, we always had to have a quality control about it. Well, that's what I was wondering. How do you as a creative navigate what the label or the dance department, whatever may be, wants versus what you want versus what the artist wants? Like, how do you navigate that when in situations the artist may have a completely different idea than the label does? I think our job, certainly in Brothers in Rhythm, our job was to deliver a radio friendly dance version um with a a full 12 we, we we were there to get a number one dance 12 inch single and the radio mix and we we and again other people like us were were employed because we understood musicality we understood songs we understood pop music but you know there's something like this we tend to make pop records that were dance friendly rather than dance records that were pop friendly um and most of the time thankfully thank god um people would be fine about it pet shop boys would something when we did go west um we delivered our original version of it and they came back in and said oh but can we have these elements back from the original and they were absolutely right as well we'd kind of gone a bit too far but it's a collaboration any record that you make with anybody is a collaboration nobody nobody's opinion is better than anyone else's and certainly not two dance remixes over established artists so we never really we were very lucky we never had any pushback from anyone see i love that okay now for so what i'm gonna do is i'm also listeners have no fear oh we still have a lot more to come with you though but i want to let people know what i'm gonna do as well is i'm gonna go through more of these questions for like the different eras for like kylie and i will also send you an email list where people were like asking oh can you talk about with dangerous overture can you ask about like <laughs> all sorts of things and it's like i want to spend time getting through you, like kind of the different projects it. you go for it um because the one of the things that was asked so lance from germany he said his best friend and he would sing and dance to kylie's album nonstop. it would be automatic love love is waiting dangerous game so many great songs i always wondered at this time b-sides were a big thing because i would buy a single and have a b-side did he know that some of his songs would end up being on Kylie B sides? Were they always project ideas or were they songs that were worked on after an album was already produced? When you go to make an album or you, you never really know when you're making an album or when you start writing for the next thing, um, it's just, it takes a little while for it to find its, uh, it, its place and the sound. Um, so but what i tended to do and possibly to my detriment is especially with kylie when we're together we just have fun and i don't think about how i'm is what i'm gonna do be the right thing for the record it's like we would just write songs and there are songs that in inherently you listen to and you think well this is never gonna like i can't see this going on a record but that doesn't mean it shouldn't be written so you know there are a lovely song Love we that. did we we did songs in um i think 
the initial ones before she got signed to Parlophone, um, we were dead. We worked a lot at a studio called Real World, which is Peter Gabriel's studio down in Bath. And we were right, just writing songs for the sake of writing songs. You know, we wrote songs like Paper Dolls, which got used as a B-side, but then we got wrote So Now Goodbye, which was used on Light Years and Butterfly. Um, so you never, when you're creating records, it's very rare that you think, oh, is this going to be on the album? Is this? You just hope that somebody likes it and maybe every people get to hear it. So um, I've never been that precious about something. And actually, the best example of that is we wrote a song in... I think 2007, six or seven called Flower that didn't actually come to fruition until we did the Abbey Road sessions when we needed one more song. And she said, what about that one? And it was the perfect time. So songs don't have to, when they're born, doesn't necessarily mean that's when they're going to come out. So I'm always just happy for, for anything to be heard. I'm, I'm, it's very rare um, as, as we'll talk about later on with, with, with Britney is, it's very rare that I'm that good at pitching for a project because nine times out of 10, when anyone asks you to do something, it will change. So you can only go, I just go with what I, what the people in the room feel is the right thing to do at the time. Have no fear. We will be back with Steve Anderson very, very soon. We're going to be talking about State of Grace and more. And we also have some treats from Simon Ellis. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss out on anything. My name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is The Original Doll. The Original Doll.